Welcome back to the Utah Shakespeare Festival's Play On podcast. I'm your host, Frank Hans. Today we sit down with the talented actresses playing the sisters in this season's production of Taming of the Shrew, Melinda Funstein and Natasha Harris. Melinda is playing Catherine in The Taming of the Shrew and Goneril in King Lear. Melinda has been with the festival for 17 seasons. Some of her favorite roles here include Constance in King John, The Baker's Wife in Into the Woods, Hermione in The Winter's Tale, Rosalind in Love's Labor's Lost, Fontaine in Les Miserables, Olivia in Twelfth Night, and Irene Adler in Sherlock Holmes' The Final Adventure. Melinda has performed at other theaters, including Milwaukee Repertory Theater, Renaissance Theater Works, Milwaukee Chamber Theater, Utah Musical Theater, and many more. She currently teaches as an assistant professor in the theater arts and dance department at Southern Utah University. Melinda is also a founding member of the nonprofit organization Statera. Natasha is playing Bianca in The Taming of the Shrew and Ensign Dinah Murphy in South Pacific. This is Natasha's third season at the festival. Last season, she played Florinda in Into the Woods, Juliet in Measure for Measure, and was in the ensemble of Henry IV Part I. She was also seen as a featured performer in The Green Show and Angel in Anything Goes in 2013. Natasha has performed at other theaters, including La Mirada, Pacific Conservatory of the Performing Arts, Performance Riverside, Musical Theater West, and Morgan Wixon Theater. She currently teaches tap classes at PCPA. Well, thank you for coming in. It's great to have you both here today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Why don't you start and tell us about how you both ended up at Utah Shakespeare Festival, when it was, how you got here. Uh, for me, it was uh, a little of a lot of things. Uh, from auditioning at UC Irvine, I auditioned a few times, and then um, I have a good friend, Rhett Guter, who knew I was a tap dancer, and he brought me in to audition. Uh, for Anything Goes, and that was my first season here two years ago. Wonderful. Yeah. How about you, Melinda? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was forever ago. I think this is my 18th season, and oh I, I was goodness. a student at Southern Utah University and uh, came as a psychology major and uh, was bored at the end of my freshman year and came over to the theater department to audition for The Secret Garden, which was Fred Adams' retirement show from the university. <laughs> and uh, being involved in that kind of put me in touch with uh, people who were also involved with USF, and they lost a, an ensemble member at the last minute right before their season that year, and I was pulled into that, and my eyes were opened, <laughs> and uh, I asked a lot of questions and took a lot of notes and went back and changed my major, and it's the rest is history. Was that your first time working in theater at all then, or? I had done a couple of shows in high school. I just sort of dabbled, you know, I sang, and, and so that was what we did. But it never occurred to me that it was an option to go into the theater at that point, not until I was involved with the festival that first year. Wow. Well, those are great stories. It's great that you're here. Um, so we'd love to talk today about Taming of the Shrew and about each of the characters you play. And so I'm wondering if you can just start by telling us a little bit about Kate and Bianca. Who are they? <laughs> Sister. Right. Sister. Yes. I, uh, I think they're highly intelligent women uh, in an interesting circumstance. Um, 
because they're not being, they're not married off. Uh, they have a lot of time to play instruments and, and learn. And I, at least from my point of view, they're, yeah, very, very intelligent. And our sisters, you know, at, at the heart of it, they're, you know, they fight. They love each other, but they fight. And the love might be disguised with other things, but, yeah. Yeah, their mother is... is nowhere to be found yeah. you know she's she's gone we've we talked about her possibly having uh, died in childbirth uh, with Bianca um, so they are the women of the house in this uh, patriarchal society patriarchal household and and I agree with Natasha I think intelligent and learned women and uh and, you know, they've, they've got a lot of time on their hands to make each other crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so for people who don't have a background with Taming the Shrew, can we just fill in some of the gaps about, um, so we have Kate and we have Bianca and their sisters. Mm -hmm. What else should we know if we're coming to see this play for the first time? Uh, Kate's older. Kate's older. Yes, <clears throat> definitely. Uh, Bianca, before Bianca can be married off, Kate must be married off, uh, at least by Baptista, their father's. Uh, opinion and decision. Um, what else can we tell you about them? Uh, it's a time of, of arranged marriages, mm -hmm. so Baptista, their father, would have the power to say who they end up with, mm -hmm. uh, as well as the timing. Um, Kate, however, is a little grouchy. She's got a reputation <laughs> for being uh, strong-willed and speaking her mind and kind of putting people in their place. So uh, that has become a challenge for, for Baptista and, and for Bianca, who has a million suitors. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so they're waiting for, for somebody who is a match, who, who, will, who will agree to match with uh, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> and Bianca, she's, uh, she's the baby of the family, um, the last thing that came from the mother before she perhaps died. And... Um, and that sh that that shows by the numerous dresses she gets to wear, and she's uh, very beloved by her father. Um, and I'm sure that drives Kate insane, <laughs> but it's great for Bianca. <laughs> <laughs> she gets a lot of attention, and she seems to bring a lot of attention to herself oh, as well. Oh, now, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think she does that? Why, why does she want the attention? Yeah. Because it feels right, and <laughs> uh, it's the way, uh, you know, she was raised. Bianca was raised to think that she was the prized possession of the family. So it's expected. It's, it's not only, you know, it feels right, but it's expected that that's how it will be played out, that she gets attention. Of course she gets attention. She's the last baby. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're... I think they live in a in a home of privilege as well. I mean, even Kate, even though Bianca gets all of the attention, we think, uh, even Kate is is not does not go without. Uh, she has lines that, uh, you, you know, uh, I who never knew how to entreat nor never needed that I should entreat. You know, who says that? What a what a brat. <laughs> you know, so they're they're not without. I think I they're not hurting for, for. Uh, clothing and goods and, and all of the necessities and probably more of life. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a really interesting question, sort of what that, what the fabric of the Minola household is, what makes them who they are and that sort of thing. And I guess in some ways that goes to a question about preparation for the role and and building your characters. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how you approach this. The other thing, I guess, in asking that question that strikes me is that this is a play that's done a lot. It's been done more than I think any other play here at USF. Um, so how do you how do you come to a character like this, like the ones that you play in a, a new and discover things um, for the first time for yourself and then for the audiences? What's really cool about acting and getting to do watching, you know, for any audience member that's seen this play before, they're never going to see this play the same. Any, you know, if they saw this play every day that we perform it, they will never see the same thing, uh, and that just comes from. We just we are these group of actors doing this show, so we're fortunate that I'm the only I've never played this part before, which is awesome, and I've never played this part with these group actors before, and I've never played this part with that director and on that stage in this costume, and uh, everything kind of informs itself. I get to bring myself to the part, um, and then I can only prepare so much, and then I get to work with Melinda, and we develop something together. It's a lot of um, in the moment discovery, at least for me, and so I guess preparation. You know, obviously I need to memorize my lines and know where where I just came from and what I want in the scene. But a lot of it comes from the energy of who I'm surrounded by. That, that that's how we develop a language, a unified language with each other. What parts of yourself did you draw on in in this oh, character? Um, uh, I like, well, there's, there's a mischievous part of me that I enjoy, uh, and I think that comes out a lot in messing with <laughs> Mel's character, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I also have, I like, there's kindness in me, it might show up a different way on stage, but there's a, uh, a gentleness that shows up more with the suitors than with my sister, perhaps, but, um... I think those are some pieces of me that you might see. I'm sure I'm a brat too, so <laughs> it's an interesting I mean it's interesting you say gentleness in the in the scene with the suitors though, or in the scenes with the suitors, because it really does seem like they um need you to tell them what to do totally. because they're so at odds with one another. They're I think it's I think it's interesting in that scene because Lucencio and Hortensio, um aren't quite sure how to how to woo Bianca. Sure. And it seems like they need to call on her for some of that. Sure. There's a strength, you know, to gentleness. There's a strength to knowing what you want. And she chooses not to necessarily scream at them the whole time, but to be assertive, but also follow the rules of... Um, uh, politeness and decorum, decorum, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of strength in that. Um, if I lose, if I kind of fly off the handle, if Bianca flies off the handle, she won't have strength. There's no strength in that, you know. So. Yeah. And so, Melinda, you have one of the most iconic roles in in literature, probably playing Kate. How did you How did you come at this role? 
Have you done Taming of the Shrew at all before? I have no. I, I the uh, educational tour uh, had they, there was an accident with their Bianca one time, and I stepped in uh, to to fill the role for a week or so. But that's the only time I've and you know it was such a blur. I don't I don't remember. <laughs> Uh, but no, I've never, I've never done the role before, and um, you know, it's it's a role that everybody has their and and a, and a play that everybody has opinions about, and everybody has their idea of 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 their favorite performance and their favorite, uh, you know, the way they think it should be done, and uh, so I was kind of lucky to come to it not knowing any of that, not having any of that baggage, and um, uh, I, I've even. I haven't even seen very many Taming of the Shrews, which again is a gift, I think. Yeah. And uh, you know, for a play that's done so often, it, I mean, it has to be where at Shakespeare theaters because there are only so many comedies to, you know, to balance out the tragedies and the histories. And <laughs> uh, so, um, it, and and it, it's a play that is is hard on the ear for our modern sensibilities in places. Um, so so it's nice. It was nice to be able to come to it without bias and without um, without a history, and uh, we just dug in deep. I think because it's so complicated in places, and uh, we we just got to say, now wait, I have to say what? Okay, what are the things that lead up to that? How do I connect the dots to get to that place? And uh, it, it was a real collaborative process from start to finish with everybody in the cast we were constantly having sidebar conversations what is this moment what does this mean how did i get there uh, and you know that's that's how i think we all approached it a true collaboration wonderful it's it's striking i think in this play that some of the the, the most interesting moments in this production are moments off the words where there are exchanges between characters, there are moments, and I don't want to give things away for people who haven't seen the production yet, but Kate has a moment with Hortensio in Act 4 that's a very poignant moment. Um, there are some interesting things happening between Kate and Bianca, um, and, I'm, and I'm curious to know then how, how you got to those places, how you found some of those things, because I think they're, I think they're really lovely moments that add to what the language of the story is telling us. Uh, I think the moments you're you're speaking of, in particular, are are moments where actors brought something to the table and tried it, and then the other actors in the room said, "Hey, wait a minute, that's actually great. That solves this, this, and this for me." Uh, that moment with Hortensio was just that, um, uh, where he he brought something to the table to kind of fill out a moment for him that was active for me, the other actor on stage, and uh, and it. It filled a huge gap in the storytelling for me, uh, so we kept it and and grew from there. And I I think that's that's what it is. People bring things to the table, people bring things to the room, and say, hey, I want to try this thing. And most of it gets cut. Most of it never makes it to the <laughs> to the stage floor, yeah. you know, to the performance. But um, in that, we we find our way to some really helpful and magical storytelling moments. Um, you've talked a little bit about this already, but I, w I would love to follow up on um, the, the notion of the sisterhood of Kate and Bianca. Shakespeare often writes pairs of characters, and you can look in, in almost any play at um, 
characters who are written apparent, you know, in, a, in an apparent sense to juxtapose each other's stories. And it seems like Kate and Bianca are a couple of those characters. I'm wondering if you can talk a little more about the similarities between these two women and the differences that you see the, between these two women. Well, like I said before, they're both very smart, similarly very smart. Um, and I think uh, we've talked about them. They're basically playing with each other. They're they're playing a game, and Bianca just tends to win more often than not, uh, especially with Baptista as the a referee. The mediator. Yeah. Yeah. The mediator. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, and I, for Bianca's point of view, she just wins more, so she's better at <laughs> knowing when Daddy's going to look <laughs> uh, and being re- on her toes about that all the time. I don't know if that's necessarily something Kate even cares about. I don't know. It's, it's, it's for you to say. But for Bianca, she that she, that's important to her is to maintain this sense of gentle sweetness in front of her father um, and at the cost of throwing her sister under the bus often. So both, both similarly smart but maybe different uh, needs. And yeah, I I agree. I, I think Kate has just said, forget about it, just forget it, and has no more patience, no, she, she doesn't have it in her to play the game. And I think that is the major difference. You know, there's so much, um, we've talked so much about finding a true match for Kate, a, a true equal for Kate, and I think Bianca is a true match for Kate. I think they are perfectly paired, perfectly matched in wit and intelligence, and um, the difference is how they play the game in society. And Kate just doesn't have room for it. Mm-hmm. And Bianca has figured out how to maneuver. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's the main difference. Do you think Kate is frustrated by that? Or do you think she doesn't care? I think she's absolutely frustrated by it. Uh, you know, it's, it's irritating. And, you know, if it, it's, it's written brilliantly that way. If... If she weren't a match, if she, if Kate or if uh, Bianca hadn't figured out how to play the game in a different way than Kate, but was playing the same, you know, if she weren't playing the same game, the last speech would have no weight. The relationship with the father would have no weight. Bianca's relationship with uh, the men and her end story and who she ends up with and how she ends up with him has no weight. Um, so, yeah, I think. I think it's all intentional that they are a true match for each other and also that they deal with they deal with life in polar opposite ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The importance of either following along in society or not is very different, yeah, mm-hmm. for both of them. We still both play the game though, we just really choose to approach it in very different ways. I'm I wanna shift the conversation to talking about Taming of the Shrew for the audience that we have today in 2015. And you alluded to it, Melinda, but, but, you know, even the very title of this play, The Taming of the Shrew, evokes a lot of response for people in terms of what that means. And I'm wondering, um, for you both who are in this show, what does that word mean? in this production, in the context of this play being done at Utah Shakespeare Festival in 2015? 
You know, I did a talk back with David Bichette, who's playing uh, Gremio in in this production, and he said, this isn't called Taming of the Woman or Taming of a Woman. It's called Taming of a Shrew or Taming of the Shrew, right? Um, so I thought that was pretty astute. Um, I think that's the number one thing. This is about one person and 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 her match. And um, also, I love the double meaning of shrew. That uh, yes, we're talking about a pretty grumpy person, right? But we're also talking about uh, the double meaning is is a, the bird, a shrew, who only pairs with a shrew. And um, there's so much emphasis on Kate's, uh, the taming of Kate, and what that means. Um, and I'll get into that in a moment, uh, what kind of taming we're talking about. Yeah, because that's but the other word yeah, now, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think this is also this is also Petruchio's journey, and it's also Bianca's journey, and it's also Baptista's journey, and Hortensio's journey. I mean, in if this were called something else, I have a feeling it wouldn't it wouldn't get everybody's hackles up. So you know, uh, so then to to talk about the word taming, and um, you know, Shakespeare gives. Kate, the largest speech at the end of the play, uh, in the play, that to me says this is not about taming her will or her spirit or her intelligence, her mind. Uh, I think I think it's a taming of her heart, and it is a gift to her because she's got some walls up, and um, until until her heart is tamed, she is not able to accept or give love, and uh, you know so so she's she is she gets a gift. By, by being matched with Petruchio. And Petruchio gets a gift in the end as well. He is also tamed in, in his own way. And, uh, you know, people who come and see this production can see, see what that is. But, but that last speech also doesn't, it doesn't land on deaf ears. Um, you know, there, there are people, people are changed all throughout this play and in, in their own ways. So, so everybody's tamed in, in a way. Yeah. Kind of going back to what we were saying about the societal norms, what we're expected to do, and again, these characters are expected to say yes to whoever uh, Baptista chooses for them, and and it's the journey to what type of love you end up with, and learning that there are many ways to love another person, and it's not just, you know lust or it's not just uh, a battle of wits it's a combination and, and coming to terms with a combination of that uh, I think that this particular production does a good job of at least presenting the question you know and letting people walk away and some people might be offended with the ending still and some people might be excited or confused and I hope that it 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 brings forth questions discussions things like that. Wonderful. How, how Natasha, would you say that that final speech lands on Bianca? What's she make of that? Of that? Question. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily want to give away all my secrets, but <laughs> I definitely believe that she is changed by it and that she is given more questions to ask herself with her new, new founded relationship with Lucencio. Um, and so I don't know if she necessarily walks away with a, a, a solid opinion one way or another about it, but that she has been given this huge gift of questions to ask and to bring forth into the new relationship. Yeah. 
and maybe a certain sense of uneasiness about the, what those questions provoke. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask about um, how you build a relationship like Kate and Bianca's when, again, there's a lot that's unspoken in this relationship. After the first couple of scenes, they don't really interact with each other that much in the rest of the play. How, as actors, then, do you build those parts of the characters when there isn't a lot of language to always help that along? What do you, what do you, what are your approaches? I think you get as specific as possible within the, within the confines you do have. We do spend a lot of time with each other uh, in the beginning of the play. And, uh, you know, we just have to get specific about what, what the connective tissue looks like in between those moments where we, where we are, not on stage mm-hmm. together, um, and you know, for us, it started. It started very technical and very what was on the page. Okay, I know we have to come in here, and we have to. Your hands have to be tied, and I have to be dragging you. We mm-hmm. have to say these words to each other, and uh, you know, so so we know that there's a sense of physical physicality between them, and it started there for us, and. Yeah. And then with every rehearsal and every time we went through it, we would spend a lot of time off stage and you know, Ooh, thinking, well, yeah, thing. what is this thing in between mm-hmm. here? Yeah. And, and knowing, definitely being in commu- uh, communication about what story we want to tell in between the lines and, and having an opinion when, you know, let's say I don't say anything in a particular scene, but I am on stage with this person. And even if we don't ever make eye contact, to have an opinion about what they're saying you know, and, um, but the, the work backstage, actually, we brought a lot of stuff, us standing backstage, let's try this next time, okay, and, and those little pieces ultimately add up to a more dynamic relationship between two people. It also rests on, I mean, that speaks to the dynamic of the, of the cast as a whole, because this is a play where Kate and Bianca are talked about, well, we're not on stage, we are talked about a lot. So the way those other actors choose to talk about us uh, also endows us with, and, uh, with, uh, with qualities that we have no control over. So in that way, it's important that we're communicating with everybody in the room and that we, we're really on the same page about, as Natasha said, what story we're telling. Um, because they have a lot of control over how we are perceived uh, in our overall arc, right? It's cool. They're the voice of society. So what does society think of Kate? And what does society think of Bianca? And and so that's what society gets to say. And then when we're together by ourselves, who are we really? Mm-hmm. Who You know, what are the... We might be those things that society thinks, and we might not, but there are so there is so much more two people than just being a shrew or being a delicate flower, you yeah, know? that's seeming to be most, which we indeed least are, yep. right? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So I'd love to wrap up by asking you each um, to just give, like, the, the elevator pitch for why people should come see this production. It's selling very well, so we might do this and then people won't be able to get tickets. But... <laughs> For those people who don't have their tickets yet or who are thinking about maybe why they should come see Taming of the Shrew again because they just saw it a few years ago, what what would you tell people um, about why to come see this? I think this is a really unique cast. Um, 
full of clowns and at the same time very deep people um, and you won't get to see this group perform this show unless you come see this show um, I can only speak about my fellow actors because I love them so I think that they are one of the most talented group of people I've ever worked with and um, while a lot of things didn't make the cutting floor or the is that how you say it uh, whatever didn't make it what did I think <laughs> I I'm, I think so I feel so strongly about that that we made that art still you know with what didn't work but what did work we still made this piece of art that's great I think Natasha said it, and that we, you won't see you won't see this cast doing this show again this way. Um, you know, Patricio has that line: "If she and I be pleased, what's that to you?" I think that's the whole point of all of this, mm -hmm. right? All of these different relationships. But uh, you won't see uh, another Natasha with another Sam and Drew, or mm -hmm. uh, you know, Brian with me, or Peter with the two of us. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so come see if you can get a seat. It's a great problem to have. But do come see how this how this cast makes uh, is pleased, you know, and see see how see how we make it happen. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you for being with us here today. It's great to have you in. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Play On Podcast. Be sure to go back and listen to past interviews on the festival webpage. Check out the latest episode released every Friday with your favorite directors, actors, and designers from our 2015 season.